This edition of the Bio Report is brought to you by the California Technology Council, providing discounts on products and services essential to every startup. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Despite a rapid advance of technology, there's been little change in the preclinical drug development process. Viam is hoping to change that by using sensors, automation, and bioinformatics to change the way data is gathered in the preclinical process to fuel better and faster decisions about the potential value of an experimental drug. We spoke to Tim Robertson, co-founder and CEO of Viam, and Joe Betz-Lacroix, co-founder and CTO of Viam about the company, how it's hoping to change the preclinical drug development process, and why that's essential. Tim, Joe, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Daniel. Uh, We're going to talk about Viam and how it's seeking to change the early portion of the drug development process. Despite the dramatic development in technology over the years, I, I take it you'd argue that Little has changed in preclinical research. How much change has there been, and and to what extent has this evolved or or not evolved? Well, I think there's been tremendous change on the biology side. You look at uh, technologies beginning with uh, the first genetically engineered mice, uh, going through the ability to generate humanized animal models today, the incredible things that are possible with technologies like CRISPR-Cas9, And we really have a tremendous capability to make much more advanced in vivo models of disease than we ever have before. What hasn't changed is how we acquire the data and how we analyze the data. You'll have these cases where you might have, let's let's talk about a mouse with a humanized immune system, uh, where uh, you've taken a mouse that has no immune system, you've injected hemopoietic stem cells, and uh, that's grafted into the animal now so that it actually has humanized antibodies in it. Well, that mouse represents a tremendous uh, effort to produce, yet you'll still have people going around making subjective observations, scoring it on, say, a five-point scale, writing that down on a clipboard, later transcribing it into a computer, and then writing up a report based on that. It's that part of the process that we really sought out to make much better with Viome. Well, Vine describes itself as the first living informatics company. What do you mean by that? Well, informatics um, is transforming healthcare. And the things we're able to find with population medicine, uh, it's worked its way into clinical trials now, where we're able to, based on all the data we acquire, make much more intelligent decisions, not just about which compounds to take forward, but even how to adapt within a particular clinical trial. But informatics has not made its way into the preclinical space much at all. And that's what we mean by living informatics. It's the data that's generated from living systems 
and how we use that data to develop drugs more effectively. What problems in the drug development process would you say Viam is seeking to, to address? Well, in overall drug development process, uh, it's a pretty long stretch from the first identification of mechanisms and leads all the way through to humans where the most money is spent in the entire drug development process and where some people say the most money is wasted is in phase three clinical trials. Uh, this is Joe Vesquois, by the way. Uh, there, the most crucial thing to figure out is which drug to take into phase three clinicals because they're huge operations and uh, super expensive. And the, uh, the decision criteria that go into uh, Deciding whether these drugs should go forward uh, are, are often based heavily on the animal data, and uh, it's important that 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 the animal data be of the highest quality, be auditable to go back over and and be able to uncover, figure out which effects were part of the, were part of any side effects that were witnessed, et cetera. And so it's our it's our uh, job to make sure that that data is the best it could possibly be. Yeah, you know, there, there's long been talk that animal models really aren't terribly good at predicting how a drug would act in humans by getting this new level of detail and data. Are, are you improving those as in terms of quality as predictive of how a drug might act in a human? This is Tim. That's fully our intent. Um, of course, rodents aren't humans, uh, although we do have quite a lot of genetic overlap. Uh, with rodents. Um, large portions of our DNA is common. And um, so rodents will never be perfect models of human disease, but we think that they can be better. That by looking more carefully, by getting better data out of these animal models, that we can better uh, choose which drugs to take on to humans. And, you know, the, the latest statistics I've seen are that 8% of drugs that go into human studies end up getting approved tremendously uh, awful attrition rate and huge, huge resources devoted to that, not to mention the human cost of, of people in clinical trials who are, are praying for uh, uh, a miracle drug um, that doesn't do what, what we want it to do. If we can just get marginally better drugs into human clinical trials, that has enormous implications for the pharmaceutical industry and for medicine in general. Well, t take a step back, if you would. How, how did Vine come about, and how, how did the two of you start working together? Well, Tim and I are both uh, crossovers between sort of Silicon Valley tech people and having a fair amount of experience in either biology or healthcare. And by uh, the, the good hand of fortune, happened to be neighbors in Belmont, California. And uh, we were at the same point in our career around the same time and batting around company ideas and because uh, we, uh, having done a number of projects together, just on the local civic leadership and so on, uh, we decided we want to found a company together. And uh, this is the one that really resonated with both of us. <laughs> yeah, Joe was running a nonprofit uh, called the Health Extension Foundation, looking at um, aging and aging related diseases. And in the course of this, he talked to many of the top re aging researchers as they described their work. And we started to hear a recurring theme that they were hesitant to do animal studies um, because they were too expensive, uh, they were difficult to execute, 
that the data that came out was of questionable value. And we just wondered why that was. So as entrepreneurs, uh, we started digging into it. Um, we started visiting all the vivariums in the area, talking to uh, the vets. Uh, my wife's a veterinarian, so that was kind of our in to a lot of these facilities. And we were just amazed as we walked in and saw these enormous operations with virtually no computers anywhere in them. And um, one of the first aha moments was when we were talking to uh, the head of the UCSF facility, and we did an analysis of their operations and found that uh, a significant portion of their resources, which works out to millions of dollars a year, is devoted to just making sure that the animals are alive every day. And as tech people, we said, well, we can make a sensor that'll tell you if your animals are alive or not. That's a fully solvable technology problem. And that sort of laid the groundwork for this idea of using sensors to understand what's going on with animals at a much deeper level. You've developed several platforms. I thought you could explain what Viam does by, by walking through each of these and how they work. The, the first is the digital vivarium. What, what is that and how does that work? So uh, this is Joe. Our digital vivarium is a vivarium that is in some ways, uh, just like all the other uh, vivariums that are performing research in rodents, uh, except that we have uh, fitted it out with technology so that we're paying attention to every single animal in every single cage and uh, also up and down the whole flow inside our vivarium. We are tracking precise temperatures uh, in rooms and cages. We're uh, logging the procedures that the staff in there are performing uh, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis and uh, streamlining the whole process uh, using our digital infrastructure. What about the Viam Cloud? So the, the Viam Cloud is where we perform all of our our, our digital operations. It, it expands all the way from the very bottom of the process in our vivarium. All of the data from every cage and all the rooms are streamed up into the cloud. And there our algorithms process the data, draw conclusions from it, uh, and present these data uh, to our customers. That's where the customers uh, can design their experiments, watch their experiments, unfolding and also uh, analyze the results and, and figure out how to make their decisions. This is really a, a novel way to run preclinical studies. What we've done is taken a process which normally requires close interaction between people. Um, the experimenter will uh, meet uh, with the uh, person running the experiment, the CRO typically, and we've put that whole thing online. So it looks more, much more like a software as a service. And uh, that allows things to go much faster, faster cycle times, uh, so that researchers can move through compounds more rapidly. You also have a, an online research suite. What, what is that? So our online research suite is three different applications that all seamlessly work together. Um, the first is the study designer that allows uh, a researcher to to go on and be able to set the parameters of the experiment they need to run and uh, be able to have that interaction in real time so they can add features, remove features, and 
fit a study to their needs and to their budget, uh, which they can find out uh, how it fits immediately. And the, the second is the experiment console, which allows them to watch every single cage and every single animal in their experiment immediately and continuously 24-7, including all the metrics that are rolling off from the sensors and from the uh, analyses of these metrics. And uh, uh, the, the third is our analytics studio, where the researchers can compare information from, say, one arm of an experiment to the other arm of the experiment and uh, be able to draw conclusions, not six or eight weeks after the experiment is over, but even partway through the experiment, they can see something is starting to work in one of their compounds uh, you know, really well and decide that they want to kick off another study uh, to expand on that particular dose range or compound, um, et cetera. Last, there's the vine disease research models. Can you explain what those are and, and how many therapeutic areas do you cover? So um, what we do is take models that have been developed in other contexts and we put them in our digital vivarium and develop new insights from them. So we've done this in a number of therapeutic areas, uh, including rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, lupus, and we're working in a number of adjacent areas, uh, extending out into uh, liquid cancers, uh, lymphoma, leukemia. Uh, we're doing a lot of work in health span, looking at the aging process in animals and inferring how that relates to aging in humans. Um, to give you an example of how this works, let me tell you a little bit about our digital arthritis model that Biome's developed. Well, in um, the traditional way of running one of these studies, you inject a mouse or a rat with collagen and their joints swell up, and this mimics arthritis. And then you give drugs. Uh, and you see if uh, you either prevent or uh, cure the disease. And the way this is traditionally assessed is by taking a pair of calipers and measuring the size of the little tiny mouse joint. Um, you actually uh, go up to the, the ankles and see how big they are in millimeters. And this is highly dependent on how it's done, who does it. Um, even the same person doing it repeatedly will get different results. What we've done is automated that whole process by finding that as the animals develop arthritis, their movement patterns in the, in the cage change. And we can assess this because we have 24-7 HD video of the animals and we use computer vision to track and characterize their activity. And with this, what we're able to do is assess the state of arthritis in these animals without ever taking them out of the cage, without uh, using the human labor, which has cost and time associated with it without stressing the animals out. And importantly, we can do it at scale now. We can do it on many more animals because we removed the operator variability and automated it so that now you can actually use this animal model in a new way. You can test an entire library of compounds, find the one that's effective, and use that to advance your program more rapidly. Any sense on how the FDA might look at data generated in this way? I, I think the FDA is going to love it, and um, uh, people we've talked to around uh, the agency uh, say that they think that this will become the standard in a number of years. Look, the FDA's job is, is to protect the public welfare, and this gives researchers, drug companies, a way to detect more subtle effects before they get into humans. 
Um, we've seen side effects in the animal models that normally wouldn't show up until you get into the clinic, and that's tremendously important. Also, because we generate an automatic auditable record of everything that occurs in a study, you can come back later and know that the study was run according to protocol, and that's exactly the sort of question that the FDA often asks. You've been able to raise money from some well-known names. How much have you raised to date, and how far will the funding take you? We've got uh, about $33 million into the company to date. Um, we're very well capitalized at this point. Our, our focus at this point is really on uh, the public launch and delighting our customers as we go through launch. Um, uh, our, our funders are deep-pocketed, and they uh, have promised to stand behind us as we um, transform uh, this very significant part of the drug development process. You are just launching now. To, to what extent are researchers using this technology? We've been in an invitation-only beta for the past year where we've worked with a number of researchers across small and big pharma, academia, different types of animal models. Um, we've got thousands and thousands, probably approaching millions of cage days of data at this point um, that, that validates the system. Now we're ready to open it up to the world and to uh, let, let, let the drug development community and the academic community in general have access to it. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. Ultimately, how do you see this changing R&D for, for drug development? What's, what's the payoff? If we are able to uh, move experiments faster because people don't have to wait for their experiments to end and be written up in order to get their conclusions, that trims time off the drug development process, which is currently you know, on the order of up to 15 years for any given drug. And that means that you know, patients who, who need these therapies are waiting and not, and not getting cures. Uh, the part of the process is the money that's spent on doing trials on the wrong drugs and having to wait for another trial to start with hopefully the right drug. And uh, there's a lot of uh, human misery involved in being be involved in a trial that isn't uh, for, on a good compound, and uh, it's our job to help make sure that only the right drugs, the best possible candidates, get into trials. Tim Robertson, co-founder and CEO of Viam, and Joe Betzlacroix, co-founder and CTO of Viam. Thank you both for your time today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.